This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to episode 171 of the Catholic Foodie, Chef Justin DeVilliers and La Petite Grocery. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about something really exciting. <laughs> I love it. This is a, a fantastic restaurant down on Magazine Street uh, in New Orleans. It's, it's La Petite Grocery. This is you're going to love this story. This is just a fantastic story. And I have an update, too, because when this conversation was recorded, which you're going to hear in just a bit, uh, we did not know at the time, but Chef Justin is going to be on Top Chef this fall. That's right. Top Chef. Bravo. Uh, bravo. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's where food meets faith, folks. Right here, the Catholic foodie. Food meets faith. You know, we had no idea at the time, but Chef... Justin DeVilliers had been tapped to be on Bravo's Top Chef New Orleans this fall. It debuts on October 2nd, and Padma uh, Lakshmi, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the hostess of Bravo's Top Chef launched six webisodes called Padma's Picks uh, the week after we produced this first-ever on-location show of the Around the Table Food Show in Chef Justin's restaurant, La Petite Grocery. It was awesome. I mean, we had so much fun uh, sitting there. It, it's great when you listen to the um, when you listen to the show. You hear the the ambient noise, right? It's the end of the lunch crowd. You hear the plates. You hear the talking. You hear the music. You hear everything. And it was just it was just so much fun to be on location. And I have a little uh, secret for you. <laughs> secret is this. Uh, from now on, you're going to be hearing a lot more of these on-location shows. Uh, we've got other restaurants who have said, hey, we'd love to have you come in. Why don't you come in and, uh, and, and, and do a show with us, and we'll provide some food for you. You can sample some stuff, and, and it'll provide content for us to talk about. We can talk about the, the appetizers and the, the entrees, the special, the house, whatever it may be. And uh, wow, it's just it is so much fun, so much fun. So uh, you got to listen to this. This is fantastic. The show notes, by the way, with links to La Petite Grocery and Bravo's Top Chef, all that stuff you can find over at CatholicFoodie.com. So be sure to go check that out. Now, La Petite Grocery, right? La Petite Grocery. You know, we launched the show around the table on April 12th, 2013. Uh, in all of the shows that we produce so far, every week since April 12th, have been in the studio at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans until this particular show. Uh, we actually produced this show on location from La Petite Grocery on Magazine Street. And this, folks, as I just mentioned, is really significant. It really is significant. Now, the Around the Table Food Show was conceived as a local Catholic radio show in New Orleans to bring together food and faith. It's kind of like the Catholic foodie, right? It's a show for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not, or a foodie or not, living in New Orleans or not. It doesn't matter. Uh, this show is for everybody because we are encouraging everybody to start getting back, getting back around the table again with family and friends, even on a daily basis. At the same time, it would make sense that this show, in particular, appealed to the locals here in New Orleans and throughout. South Louisiana, because food is so much a part of our daily lives. We really like to eat down here, believe it or not, and cook, and cook, I have to say, and we also love to talk about food. So, so far this year, if you look back at the Around the Table Food Show, we have uh, talked about several food-related festivals, right, like the French Quarter Fest, Jazz Fest, uh, we had the publishers of a local food magazine on the show. That is Louisiana Kitchen and Culture Magazine. Uh, she's uh, Susan Ford has been on a few times with us. It's been fantastic. We're going to continue to have Susan on the show to talk about uh, the current issue of the magazine, upcoming issues, re uh, recipes, all that kind of good stuff. We have interviewed since April food writers, food bloggers, cookbook authors. We've talked with local chefs about cooking, dining. We talked about their own restaurants. We've shared a ton of recipes, which you can find all of them, basically all of them, over at catholicfoodie.com. And we also talked about our favorite restaurants throughout the city. Now, we knew it was just a matter of time before we actually produced a show from a restaurant. 
And Monsignor Christopher Nolte, who is a co-host of the Around the Table Food Show, made this first on-location show possible. As a frequent guest at La Petite Grocery, Monsignor Nolte knows Chef Justin DeVilliers well. Not only is the restaurant located just a block from Monsignor Nolte's parish, which is the historic uh, Church of St. Stephen on Napoleon Avenue, but Chef Justin and his wife Mia are parishioners of the parish. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? As a matter of fact, Monsignor Nolte baptized their daughter, so it was the perfect place to make our own or our first on-location debut. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm telling you, folks, a lot of fun. They got pictures over at CatholicFoodie.com of some of the food that we sampled. These uh, blue crab beignets, which, oh my gosh, I mean, <laughs> what do you say about that? It was just, it's just words fail, right? Words fail. And he had these uh, these pickled Chinese long beans that were, I mean, slap your mama good. They were just so good. You just couldn't believe it, you know? Uh, pictures over at catholicfoodie.com. I've got some information on the, the restaurant itself. It's got quite a history. It was built in the late 1800s, okay? On Magazine Street, still there. It was a grocery for the longest time. You can read all about that over at catholicfoodie.com. And, of course, on this show, Chef Justin does talk about the history of the restaurant. And so I'm going to let him do that part of the show. And, and you just have to, uh, if you want more information Go to catholicfoodie.com. Now, what we're going to do right now, I'm going to play a little uh, infomercial, just real quick, about a minute long. Uh, something I want to share with you about an upcoming trip to the Holy Land, a food meets faith trip to the Holy Land. I'm going to share that with you, and then we're going to move right on into the conversation that we had with Chef Justin DeVilliers. Oh, it was just so much fun, so much fun. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and I want to invite you to join me on a unique pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Over 2,000 years ago, God became man in Jesus of Nazareth. The event that radically changed history, and indeed all of creation, took place in the small town of Bethlehem in Israel. God is now one of us. For years I have longed to go to the land that received God of the flesh. I've wanted to walk the same roads that Jesus walked, to eat the same foods that Jesus ate with his friends and disciples, to visit the holy places that have been touched by the hand of God. I know that by doing so, the scriptures will come alive for me in a way that I have never experienced, because I will be in the very places where so much of the stories from the Bible actually happened. And it cannot help but increase and strengthen my faith. I want to invite you to join me on this pilgrimage, which will take place from February 5th to the 15th, 2014. The deadline for registration is September 20th, 2013. Registration forms and all the details can be found at catholicfoodie.com slash holyland. Welcome to Around the Table. I'm David Dawson with Monsignor Nalti and Jeff Young. Hey, guys. Hey, David. The weekend is here again. It is. It's Friday, and we're uh, ready to talk a little bit more food with uh, Chef Justin DeVilliers at La Petite Grocery. And uh, folks are probably saying, what is all that background noise? We are at La Petite Grocery on Magazine Street in New Orleans, huh? So looking forward to this. Good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be great. We have a lot to talk about. First, a lot of folks are tuning in for the first time, and they're wondering what the heck is going on here. We call it Around the Table because really the theme of the show is we got to get back around the table. Stop with the fast food, drive throughs TV, uh, sitting in front of the TV. We need to get the family around the table, yeah. enjoying ourselves, sharing our lives, which is really important, sharing the great lessons in life, and then... Uh, 
okay, then we share a few recipes, right? right. That's right. So. And it's two different things. It's it's not only just around the table at home, which is wonderful, but, but it's any time that we are face-to-face face with each other rather mm-hmm. than looking at a TV or looking at a computer screen or looking at your smartphone. You know that you're you're actually in human contact sharing anything from, from family lessons around the, the kitchen table to uh, to life lessons with your friends. And, and for me as a priest going out, and uh, and people always want to talk about faith. And mm-hmm. so it gives me time to share the faith. And, and a great place to be there, a great place to do it is here at, uh, at, at La Petite Grocery because the good thing about La Petite is it's uh, one block from my rectory. So I, I oh, tend to make it, I tend to make nice. it over here every now and then, yeah. you might uh, find out. Uh, so we're, we're happy to have Chef Justin with us today. And, uh, and welcome, welcome to the show, Chef Justin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here in your restaurant, and I, I started coming here about five years ago, right when I first moved back to New Orleans, and uh, and since then I've uh, I've been here quite a few times, and and uh, happily have uh, have baptized one of Chef Justin and his wife Mia's uh, baby baby girl Ruby, and uh, and and now she's pretty close to being uh, due, huh? What's Mia's due date? Um, I think we got it's about six weeks. Six weeks, yeah, okay. We got six weeks left. Six weeks. Happy to be there for that, and uh, look forward to baptizing uh, baptizing the new baby. Uh, but w- w- when we've been here, and I've come here very frequently with another priest friend of mine, and our conversations, you know, not only as priests but people see us here, and then other people come and <laughs> frequently join our table. Like last night, a couple of guys came and started seeing two priests, didn't know us, but they grew up in the neighborhood and they knew some priests, and ended up sitting down with it and gave us a chance to talk about our faith and, and about the, the church. So so really, in, in this place here, La Petite Grocery, is a place uh, for not fast food, right? I mean, people will take their time here uh, and, and, and spend, you know, sure, an hour they may for, for lunch, but dinner, you see people stay here for a, a lot longer and enjoying their company. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it's, you know, something we try to create is definitely an atmosphere that, uh, you know, people want to feel comfortable in and, and spend time with each other and so tell so tell us a little bit about the history of the place, Justin. Uh, you you've you've been here for what six years now? Is that right? Gosh, uh, the restaurant has been almost ten years. Coming up on ten years. Uh, March of two thousand fourteen will be ten year anniversary. Ten year anniversary. Okay. Um, I came aboard that year and um, you know worked in a few different positions. And in two thousand and seven, I took over as uh, the executive chef. And um, from there, you know, we kind of expanded a little bit, expanded some hours and changed, obviously changed some menu things and um, had an opportunity in 2010 to take over some of the ownership. And um, me and my wife took advantage of that. And so now we're uh, part owners. And it's kind of neat because the other owner is uh, is Joel Dondas, who owns a, a few different other enterprises here in town. Sucre that makes all the sweets, and he has his catering company. And and Joel actually became Catholic at St. Stephen's uh, at the Easter Vigil this year. So it's kind of of course his wife Gretchen was was always Catholic. They raise their 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 uh, their daughter Haley Catholic, but uh, but but he became Catholic. So it is kind of a, a family family place, and uh, and. Tell, me, tell us a little bit about your food influences, um, Chef Justin. Um, I mean, really, my philosophy, you know, on, on food and cooking is pretty much just if, you know, if, if you can make it better than you can buy it, then you should make it. Right. You know, I like that. obviously there's some things, <laughs> there's some things that, uh, you know, I still buy and there are things that I can probably make pretty close but just almost out of like nostalgia things like Tabasco things like that that you know you just can't you gotta you gotta have that that flavor but uh you know everything from all of our mayonnaises to a lot of our cured meats uh you know different ketchups just all kinds of different stuff we make it all here and that's a big part of what we do is just trying to stay as authentic as we can and, and true to the true to the food and it's interesting because we we were just talking before we went on air about uh, pasta. And I, I lived in Italy for 10 years, and most of the restaurants in Italy, um, frankly, use dry pasta uh, because I think that they don't think that they can make it better than the best stuff they can buy. But you've just bought a, uh, a new pasta extruder, uh, which I, I sampled a, had a sample of the pasta last night. 
uh, a bucatini, and it was and it was frankly a lot of the American pasta that I get is too soft. The Americans maybe like a not as much of an al dente uh, bite in their mouth from to the tooth, but it was but it was fabulous last night. I'm looking forward to trying some more of that again. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know I think that the a lot of people are buying are buying dry pasta in Italy and also in America because the Italians obviously know pasta and they know that they can't make that product that they like to get that al dente-ness from and if they did try to make it it would cost an arm and a leg to get an extruder where in very recent history a company started making smaller extruders using the same technology of these big factory machines that are making all the pasta in little small format so it's enabling smaller restaurants to be able to produce you know a quality of pasta that's similar to uh to the dry pasta that's great that's great well you know i, I mean i've I'm fascinated by the fact that you can make all the all the little things, the condiments, everything is made in house. Uh, there, there's so much personality that you can add to to a mayonnaise, as an example, or a ketchup. That that is phenomenal. I've only made pasta once. I had no extruder, but uh, it's it's fun because yep. it's you know it's something. If you're at home, as an example, last week I think Dave we were talking about making pizza, and you know you pizza places all over the the, the city, right? But there's something about making pizza at home when you, you get your hands in there and you're working in the dough and, right. you know, there, there's something, um, there's a word for it and I can't think of it right now, almost primal. You, yeah. you used Tactile. that, that, that yeah. word at one point a while yeah. back in a conversation talking about just eating around the table being primal in a sense right. because it's very scriptural, right, based on scripture. Right. Uh, but all these meals that take place around the table. Every covenant in the Old Testament culminated in a sacrificial communal meal. Right. And it, it's just a, a beautiful thing that we can bring together the gift of ourselves, right, our, our time and our attention, right. and come face-to-face with other people around the table. And enjoying giving of your talents. You know, the, the Lord gave us talents, and so if you have a talent for anything and sharing it with people helps you to... You know, appreciate it yourself even more, but then others appreciate it. Like like a, someone who knows how to cook, who's learned how to cook, they have a talent that they share. But there's also something behind, like for the home cook, like the dignity of work, right? right, right. Um, going out and driving through a, a place and getting something in a bag and bringing it home and eating in your car. Uh, not only is it perhaps not as healthy, but there's something dignified. I mean, God God gave us command over the things of the earth, and 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 we subdue the earth. And so you're dignified when you cook your cook your own meals, you know. And just just the other day, we celebrated the feast of Saint Martha, right? The right. patron saint of of, uh, of, of cooks, and right. yeah, right. and and she. I mean, in a way, you can look at that and, and see that using our gifts like cooking, and sometimes the gift may even be dining, right? right and being present that that in a sense can be a ministry yep. I mean that that can be a way of spreading uh, the good news and, and not just in words but in our actions right being present to to other people I love the story you said earlier about being here two priests sitting in the restaurant and someone just walks up and starts talking to you that's Mother Teresa used to call that the ministry of presence right you're, you're being present to to people mm-hmm. And do you cook at home uh, when when you and, and Mia and Ruby are at home? Do you? I mean, I'm sure it's not as fancy as a restaurant, but um, or do you we, take the time off? We take turns. Oh, you do. We take turns cooking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Mia cooks a lot at home. Actually, does she? Yeah, I do too. But she, you know, she does a lot. Um, we definitely enjoy it. I mean, uh, it's fun trying to introduce Ruby to as many new foods. You know, right. she's at that age where everything's new. So and she's um, how old now? About two. Two now? and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. She definitely. It's funny, you know, all meat to her right now is our meatballs. Okay. It doesn't, you know, it could be a, a slice, it could be a slice of beef or a piece of chicken. It's a meatball. It's a meatball. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Meatballs were great. I love meatballs. I know. We Look, talked about meatballs yeah. in one of our other shows because I finally learned how to make them. I mean, I've been trying to make them for years. And then once somebody explained to me about baking them in the oven, I'm like, that's like the easiest way to do them. I was oh. always cooking them on the stove and cooking them too fast and they're falling apart. Yeah. And now that I learned how to bake them, it's like, wow, these are easy. Yeah. I thought it was my recipe. It was just my technique was bad you know, for making meatballs. 
But it's funny you say you mentioned about last week was uh, Saint Saint Martha. Um, this coming up week, uh, a little more than a week, is the Feast of St. Lawrence, oh, who we yeah. really say is the patron sh- saint of chefs. And I don't know if you know the story about St. Lawrence, but St. Lawrence was a deacon in Rome, and he watched the Pope, he was the deacon of the Pope, get killed. And he said, I want to die with you to, the, to Pope Sixtus. And Pope Sixtus says, it's not your time yet. You'll follow me in three days. So what they did was the emperor said you need to bring the treasures of the church this is the third century they believe the church had a lot of treasures bring the treasures of the church to the government building or you'll be executed and so the next day St. Lawrence showed up at the um, at the the, the the government building with all the poor of Rome and he said this is the tre- these are the treasures of the church well the, the the emperor and I think it was one of his officials didn't think that was that funny so right. he decided to make an example of him so he, he put him on a gridiron to grill him to death and as he was being grilled to death uh, he, he he said you can turn me over I'm done on this side okay <laughs> so for for the Italians it has all the elements that you like he, he loved the poor he had a great sense of humor <laughs> and he was courageous to the end yeah. you know? and so there are actually more churches in Rome to St. Lawrence than any other saint including Including St. Oh, Paul, wow. St. Peter, anybody, oh, because wow. they just loved him. He loved the poor. And there's a church you can go into that has the two gridirons supposedly on either side of the altar that St. Lawrence was grilled on. And That's the church, cool. it's interesting, <laughs> is called San Lorenzo, St. Lawrence, in, in Lucina. Lucina was a noble woman who gave a lot of property to the church, but the Italians don't call it that. They call it San Lorenzo in Cucina. In the kitchen, <laughs> and so he's the patron saint of saint of chefs. I love you know? that. <laughs> so you might have to get a little statue of Saint Lawrence yeah. and put it in here. I mean, the guy was just a real. There are churches all over town devoted to him because of his. Like I said, it was it was a combination of all three. Uh, we don't know a lot about his life. We know a lot about his death, and uh, it was witnessed by people, so they they knew that he he actually said these things. You know, not a not a bad hagiography, but uh, so so tell us a little bit more. You know, one thing we were talking about earlier is we've got a. Um, right next to, right next to St. Stephen's, we may come back to this after the break. Um, Chef Justin and I were talking, uh, uh, I guess about four years ago, and he and he said he was going to look into a co-op garden so he could start growing some of his own produce for the for the restaurant. And I said, well, you know, I got this strip of grass on the south side of my church that goes from, or the, the north side of my church, south side of my church that goes from one end to the other. That's just, all I'm doing is mowing it. And uh, and I said, why don't you look at it? So the first year you planted some with the help of one of our workers. The next year you did and I did. And then now for the last two years, we've got uh, a gardener, Ian, who's uh, who's really done a, a, a snap job at, at putting the garden together. And it's kind of neat because I can bring the school kids from St. Stephen's School over there and show them vegetables growing because kids who grow up in the city, they don't mm-hmm. usually see vegetables growing. Not to mention, you know, the kind of variety of vegetables there because they can see what carrots look like even though they can't see the carrot or what beets look like even though when they're underground. But then they can see the peppers and the beans and uh, and the different greens and they know most of the names of them. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that right um, Right when we get back. Well, I know, uh, I know that we we every year for the 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 walk of the nine churches, the pilgrimage, pass we pass. We go to St. Stephen's, and we always admire the, right. the gardens outside right. the church. Well, some well, of like, the hey, church ladies, so cool. some of the church ladies have had a little input, and they said you need to have some flowers in there. <laughs> it can't be all vegetables. We need to have a beautification program. So we'll we'll chat about that um, when we get back, uh, and uh, and so we'll, we'll take a little break. Welcome back to Around the Table. I'm David Dawson. I'm with Monsignor Nalti and Jeff Young. We are at 
La Petite Grocery. If you're wondering what all the background noise is, that's a good thing. We're at La Petite Grocery in New Orleans, Louisiana, on Magazine Street. In fact, uh, Monsignor, let's describe the place. This is a really awesome. It's neat. I was with one of the owners, um, Joel Dondis, one day, and he explained to me the whole history. In fact, you come, and you can see it was an old grocery store. Yeah. And, uh, and what he explained to me, that Magazine Street went all the way down from this part of Uptown all the way to the quarter, and there were two main markets. There was the French market that was all the way in the quarter, and then this was the other main market area around town. So in the back of here, they used to have cows and chickens and, and, uh, and, and other barnyard animals. And then later on, when that started to not be the case, they would take the animals a little further out of town. Then it became more of like a central grocery, you know, uh-huh. where you had dry goods and canned and stuff. And actually on the wall, there's some pictures of it from, um, yeah, from back that. about 100 years ago, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, there's a couple, a couple of the older pictures, the one up on this wall. A couple of them are from the late 1800s. Okay. And then there was a fire that burned down that building and the same proprietors rebuilt the current building that was 1907 when that happened so the Didn't building that we're in right now is 1907 1907 yeah if you're wondering that who that mysterious voice is we're with uh chef oh, justin go ahead if in case you just haven't gone on that was <laughs> chef justin de villiers who is uh, an award-winning chef um who who is the, the the executive chef here at la petite grocery and um he, uh, he and his wife, Mia, have been uh, running the place with uh, with help from the other owner, Joel Dondas, but uh, they're really the ones who are here on the spot all the time. And and actually, I'll tell one little story before we get to talk about this plate of food that's we in front of us. We have a plate of food. <laughs> but, but about three, two and a half years ago, I came in and Chef Justin had just been nominated for a James Beard Awards. Now, if you've never heard of that, the James Beard Foundation in New York recognizes chefs from around the country. And... The region that we're in is Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, Alabama, Florida, and Puerto Rico. And the region um, has five nominees. And two years ago, Chef Justin was nominated as one of the five best chefs in that region. And I I congratulated him, and he says, well, you want to go up for the uh, awards? And I said, what? (laughs) Oh, no, man. Yeah? Yeah. I said, uh... (laughs) I said, but I don't know what, what day of the week is it? And he said, well, we're chefs. It's got to be Monday. I said, oh, I'm a pastor. It's got to be Monday. So, <laughs> so I went up for it. Um, we had mass the day, before, the day of the uh, event. Unfortunately, Chef Justin didn't win. It rarely does a chef win the first time. In fact, some of the chefs in town have been nominated five, six, seven times and, and haven't. He was nominated again this year, and uh, I went up. And, uh, and I say every time he's nominated, uh, he doesn't win. It means he'll get re-nominated, which means I'll get to go back up to New York to the James Beard <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I so, tell you what, really, to be nominated right there is huge. You're right? One of the five best chefs in the whole, you know, the whole Gulf South, and yeah. uh, and so it, it's it's really a huge honor, and and the award is really fabulous because the past winners, I guess I can go back because if you if you win it in the past, you get to go back and cook um, at the reception after the award show, which is really like the Academy Awards of cooking. Uh-huh. They have a big uh, feast out in front where past winners come and uh, and and. You know, provide the food for the evening, which is really spectacular. Um, so, okay, Chef Justin. I wish we had a now, camera here. Yeah, well, it's too bad we're on radio that we can't. <laughs> oh, we do have a camera. We, here, we can't. Uh, we can you can't what see you what see you're here. seeing. But Chef Justin, please describe what you've set out here for us. Okay, so um, we have a little, just a little tasting of our house-made pastrami. That's a, a brisket pastrami, um, homemade mustard, some fresh bread and butter pickles, and some okra pickles. Um, it's I'm looking at a dab of Creole mustard here. You made that? Yeah, it's it's um, more of like it's it's a, just a playful mustard. It's two two types of mustard seeds, uh, allspice berries, clove, cinnamon, beer, a little bit of honey, and red wine vinegar. So it's um, not necessarily a Creole mustard, but in that style where it's grainy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the pastrami's brined and smoked. The pastrami's made with uh, beef brisket that's from. Um, Mississippi up by Jackson. It's a all-natural grass-fed farm up there called Two Run. Uh, I like oh, sure. a, I like a lot of their products, and that's a really good piece of meat. Oh, that honey mustard's sweet. I mean, not honey mustard, but the mustard that you made. Yeah, here. yeah. Mm. It's got it's got a touch of honey in it. It does have yeah, honey. Yeah, has in a it? touch of honey in it. Wow, that and that's definitely taste. something that you taste up front. Monsignor Nalti mm. is rolling it around his palate. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Get scratch. No, no, that's that's a very different. Yeah, the sweetness. Yeah, and the tartness too. It's dry too. It's nice with the. I think it's nice with the black pepper and the smokiness of the pastrami. I think that it's a 
a nice compliment to that. Um, we have our our blue crab beignets, which are kind of in a become a menu staple here. Um, they are a house favorite. I've know. never brought anybody here and not and not told them to get them. I mean, uh, every time I come here with somebody new, I'm like, you got to try these, okay? Even if we just get one for an appetizer, but but just but tell them it because they they're kind of made from your one of your original recipes, which is the blue crab dip, right? No, they're no, no they're they're, separate they're, from yeah, that? They're, it's a, it's a different recipe. It's really. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting beignet because you know you think of a beignet, you usually think of a yeast-risen dough that's that's dropped in a fryer, kind of like a donut, like the you know Cafe Du Monde style or whatever. This is kind of like a fritter, but it's not even all dough. We make basically a ball of blue crab and Italian cream cheese mascarpone, and season that, and then dip that ball into a beer batter and fry it. So as the beer batter crisps up and you know envelops the filling. The filling steams inside and gets creamy and 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 delicious. I can luscious. vouch for that. Talk amongst it, yourselves. Keep but, going. Here. But it's interesting <laughs> because you you I've probably had a, a half a dozen different sauces you've made for it over yeah. the time. This is a new one. I've never seen. This is an orange colored sauce. I'm, what well, I can't that me- one I can't mess with the beignet itself. No, I'm no, like, no, yeah, no, no. You can't. Do I might that. get emails and stuff <laughs> right, if I do that. Right. So the only, the only way that I can the only way that I can you know keep the dish exciting for the kitchen staff and myself is. Just changing the combinations of flavors on the sauces and the and the condiments, and um, today we're doing a saffron aioli with it. Oh, that's yeah. yellow. Yeah, okay, saffron. So, uh, yeah, it's nice, and it's you know it's become a favorite, and it's probably not going anywhere. No. Yeah. Well, if you if you change it, like I said, there are a few things on the menu that I know we know you have to change seasonally. Like like Father Chambers loves your celery salad, which you can't always get the celery root, but uh, but. That one, uh, you can always get the the crabs. Yeah, you know we're lucky down in here in South Louisiana to be able to get such nice, you know, Gulf seafood and especially the blue crab year round. The only time is like the dead of winter, which what lasts? How long does that last here? A week and a half yeah. or two yeah, weeks? It's true, and then <laughs> yeah. don't they, they miss it? Actually, they, they bury they missed it they last go dormant, year, right? Yeah, and just the crabbers actually won't even fish because it's not it's too slow. It, yeah, it's too slow. There's not right. enough crabs out there, so there's about a two week span where I can't get blue crab. But besides that, it's a year round thing. Jeff and, over there is rolling his eyes. Tell us about these beans because um, <laughs> yeah, I see these growing out out next to St. Stephen's on the fence. These long beans and and I they look too tough for me. I didn't know how to cook them, but you've you've got a really neat dish there. They're they're purple colored uh, Chinese long beans. Is that what they are? Yeah, so they're they're Chinese long beans. It's um, you know it's like a long like a long string bean that's purple, very right. long. And you're right, it's a little bit hardier in um, in on the skin than a let's then say like a haricot vert or a, a snap pea or something like that but um what we do to kind of break them down a little bit and also just we like the flavor is um we actually pickle them and then soak them in fresh water after about so we pickle them for about five days soak them in fresh water for about a day take them out dry them off and then we grill them really hard That's on a cast iron on a cast iron plate and um, really blisters them and kind of chars them. Mm-hmm. And then we toss them with, um, these ones here are tossed with a little bit of lemon, anchovy syrup, garlic, and chili. Mm. And it just kind of has this, I think it's real summery, the chard and the, oh, gosh, and the oh, yeah. bright flavors and all that. So, um, and they grow like wildfires, you can attest to. No, it's great. great. Yeah. I, but you know, the good thing is, is that I haven't taken any because I didn't know what to do with them. But now I may know what to do with them. <laughs> I'm sure. not sure if I've got five so you days bring them for to the chef, uh, Justin. Well, I can get do. them here. <laughs> When I look at stuff in the gardens, you know, Excuse being a garden on the edge of a church, you have to, the priest has to take his tithes, right? Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'm usually really good at it with some things like when the greens are out there, because I love kale and we had a lot of kale growing um, last, it actually grew, there's probably still a little bit out there. It was a good season for kale. Auto, right? the, yeah. A yeah, little tall one. Yeah. But, uh, but I love kale and, and at different times I'd go on my day off and I'd leave on Sunday. I figured by Sunday afternoon, they've kind of gotten all the stuff for the weekend out and I'd go with my scissors and clip off some greens and then I'd blanch them and then, and they'd just toss them in a little olive oil, a little bit butter. And that was just, it was just so neat to eat stuff that grew out of the property of the church. I mean, it's sacred ground type of thing, you know? So, and, and like I said before, it, it's been a, it's been a neat thing. We've kind of gone through different phases of the garden but now we've kind of got it operating fairly well and uh and i'm looking forward to when the school kids get back and they can come and i usually have mass on fridays and then after mass i just tell them when you go out to church and the teachers would walk them by and they get to see you know stuff growing so it's kind of fun now we're getting to the time where we can maybe actually give them a little taste of stuff you know with some of yeah, the raw totally. stuff 
So, so you guys are sharing the same garden. Mm-hmm. So the food here is sacred. I'm it is. Saying. It's. It's. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think the uh, restaurant's been doing so well? Well, yeah. There you go. There you go. I, I, have to <laughs> I say, mean, Chef green Justin beans. And, and Holy Holy Food. You know? <laughs> there you are. Not green beans. You, what are these called? These uh, beans? Chinese long beans. Chinese. Uh, that yeah. is the most incredible thing. And you they're know, pretty. You were talking you, about you, the texture, and that's what makes it. Yep. The texture is good. They're bright purple. It looks like a. It looks like a plate of purple pasta at a distance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, it kind of looks then, like inky pasta. But it's got this texture, and this. It almost tastes like you grilled meat here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's yes, I, very I'm very trying to describe anxious it. kind of and savory. Yeah, yeah. that's that's amazing. And I, don't get me started on the beignets. The the, the crab yeah, beignets. the, the beignets are uh, they're they're definitely a guilty pleasure. Uh, Monsignor hadn't had one of those yet, and no, when he does, I, you'll know because he'll be silent, and I'll, I'll take over. I won't be able to talk for a while. <laughs> no, no, I had a. It's funny because I have a lot of friends who live all around the country, and when people come into town. There's so many great restaurants in New Orleans. We all know that. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are friends with chefs at other restaurants. But it's so nice to walk a block away from my, from my um, rectory to, in the last couple of years, one of the top ten restaurants in the city. Okay? In yeah. The, you know, Magazine, top ten restaurant in the city. And so, uh, so I'm not... I, I'm slumming, but I'm not slumming, right? I mean, I'm, I'm in my neighborhood, but I'm, uh, but I, but I'm eating at this fabulous restaurant, and I and I love to bring friends here from other places because I said just come over to my neighborhood restaurant, you know, and uh, and then they just they're they're expect they're not expecting much to be honest the first time they come. Now they all know oh, yeah. after five years, but but in the beginning it's like. You know, well, can we go to one of the, you know, the name? Well, now I guess Labatee Grocery now has a name, but four or five years ago, they wanted, they're thinking about Commanders or Antoine's or Galatoire's, right. places they've been to when they've come to visit me before. I'm like, no, I just got a little place in my neighborhood we'll go to. And they're, and then they come and they, they, t- they taste the food and they're like, all right, I want to come back here yes. the next time I'm in New Orleans, which is great for me because I can just walk home if they get, uh, if they want to stay out later, all I have to do is walk home. Well, that's true. You don't have to worry about <laughs> Chef. Your menus, I guess, vary from night to night, or are they pretty standard? I mean, I'm looking at your lunch menu, and, and, and it's pretty standard, but then you've got your specials throughout the day. Yeah, we have. We basically have uh, <coughs> two menus. We have the hard copy, which is usually about changes every two weeks about. All right. It'll change little here and there daily sometimes, but for the most part, we try to keep it about two-week periods. And then we have uh, our daily menu which is usually anywhere from four to seven items that are, change every day okay four to seven items four to seven items. and and, and this uh lunch versus dinner or are you how does how does that work uh lunch and dinner are kind of separate programs yeah so yeah lunch you'll see a lot of the you'll see a lot of um kind of crossover okay with ingredients and stuff between lunch and dinner like you know at dinner time we have a panade rabbit that's kind of in the style of a Bavarian schnitzel, where okay. it's over spatzel and has like a, a brown butter sauce. And then at dinner, I mean at lunch, you'll see the same panade rabbit, but it'll be on a sandwich with pimento cheese and grilled onions. Okay. So, you know, a lot of crossover Great like leftovers. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he's got one of the best. Uh, hamburgers in town too, by the way. I mean, I've oh. had hamburgers a lot of places, but the hamburger is really something. People, the interesting part about when I come here, people ask me, "Well, you come here all the time. What's good?" I'm like, "You know what? Everything's good. It mm-hmm. just depends upon what you're hungry for. Mm-hmm. You're hungry for fish. You're hungry for meat. You're hungry for rabbit. Because I wouldn't pick anything over another except for based upon what you're hungry for at that time. You're not going to go wrong. Just no. You're not going to go wrong on anything. No. Well, I tell you what. When we come back. Why don't we talk about, I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to talk about what you're even serving tonight. How's that? All right. So, yeah. Or, for that matter, in a few days. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Around the Table. I'm David Dawson with Monsignor Nalti and Jeff Young. We are with 
Chef Justin DeVilliers. We're on location at La Petite Grocery on Magazine and General Pershing, General Pershing which is right by Napoleon. Yeah, yeah it's just a block off of uh, Napoleon Avenue, a block from St. Stephen's Church. So if you're coming up from St. Charles on Napoleon, you can't miss the tall steeple and go one more block after the church and take a left and uh, and you can't miss La Petite Grocery here on the corner. And it looks like a little grocery. It looks like a little La grocery. La Petite Grocery. Yep. Uh, La Petite Grocery. Until you walk in the door. And this, this place is amazing. We've been sampling some incredible food. We're going to talk about that. But we've been talking about the freshness of the food, you know, with with your garden, you have your own garden, and and the things that you do, you make your own mustard, you make your own mayonnaise, you even making your own ketchup, and this is all out of fresh ingredients. Can you give me an example of what would be on the menu this weekend, Chef uh, Justin? Yeah, you know, definitely. When we committed to the garden a few years ago, um, and when we did start that whole process with the garden, you know, we knew it would be trial and error, and the first thing we really learned was we weren't going to be able to do it as chefs and cooks out of the kitchen because there's just too much to do. So um, we brought someone aboard. But once we started getting successful with the, having a gardener and growing stuff, it, it enabled us, kind of forced us to cook a lot more off the cuff because, you know, one day you might have a handful of, uh, you know, shishito peppers that came out of the garden, but they might not be there the next day. There might be uh, overabundance of Chinese long beans. So... A lot of our a lot of our daily menu, which is uh, it's written in the restaurant, but not actually on a hard menu. A lot of that menu is um, stuff that is really of the moment, mm-hmm. and um, it it comes from the garden. It comes from our local purveyors. It comes from sources that come and go. You know, every day the products change. So, you know, stuff this weekend. I know you know um, triple tailor around right now. That's a, a fish that. Uh, that we love to get here, um, you know, we do things like we'll just simply pair the grilled triple tail up with the Chinese long beans, maybe some uh, some corn or corn puree or something like that. We just you know just try to stay subtle. We try to stay subtle and make uh, flavor profiles that aren't overwhelming or. Um, Ridiculous, and you know the way that it's really how a lot of Italians cook. You know, they don't go to the superstore and buy you know two weeks worth of food. Is they they live in a village, they go down to the market, and what's what's growing, what's there, and they decide as they walk down walk around the market what they're going to cook that day based upon what looks the best. You know, so they're not forcing a menu into the food. They're they're forcing the food into the menu. You know, they're you know anybody can cook. Uh, you know, you can go to the grocery store right now and. You decide you want to have fresh pesto, you know, in December, and you can usually get. There's got some hot house basil. Well, mm-hmm. Italians wouldn't eat pesto in December because the basil isn't growing. Where, where do you get the basil? How you, how you going to make? How are you going to make tomato? Uh, you know, a caprese salad during the winter. You don't have any tomatoes growing unless you've got them in hot houses. So, so in a way that the, the having the garden kind of pushes you a little bit culinarily wise. I mean, it, yeah. it, it gets you to. Like, listen to what, what God's doing in a sense, you know. God's giving you this produce that's coming out of the ground, and all right, what's the best way to cook this and, and to present it to the people, which I think is beautiful. And I noticed, too, that uh, you have a, a classic dish on here on the menu, uh, the Gulf shrimp and grits. I love shrimp and grits. Uh, and one thing I noticed, though, is you've got the shiitake mushrooms in here. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had that before, I had the mushrooms in with the shrimp and grits. That's, that's fantastic. Smoked bacon and thyme. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think I may have mentioned this a few weeks ago. I, I went somewhere and had um, I had shrimp. I think it was a French Quarter festival. I had shrimp and bacon together for the first time. Wow. Here I am, forty-something years old. <laughs> for the first time, I had the two things together, and I th- I thought this is it. You never had. Uh, I, I, I'm you know done. You never I mean, wrap I, bacon I, I, around I, a shrimp and I, put it on the grill. I've never well, no, I've never done the fried. I should okay. say. Let me, let me take that back. I've never done fried shrimp with uh, with bacon. Mm. It I, was incredible. I had a guy one time that I, I worked with. He was um, he wasn't he wasn't even a, a cook. He was a front of the house guy, but uh, he was from Cutoff, Louisiana. And uh, one day we asked him to, to make us something, you know, from his back home. And um, he made us like some. He just stewed crispy bacon and onions together, and then cooked the shrimp kind of in that little mixture and put it over rice. Oh, was, oh yeah, yeah. So oh, that's almost like cheating, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. add bacon; it's yeah. almost like add cheating. Bacon to anything, you know? we, we we were um, we were telling a story before we went back on the air that about three and a half years ago, I guess, um, I came in and Chef Justin had, had proudly announced he'd bought a whole hog 
in uh, in Mississippi, I think. Did you get it from those guys in Mississippi? North Shore. North Shore, okay. Yeah. And he was going to take that whole hog and, and butcher it and cook all of it, you know? So it means everything from the snout to the trotters to the tail, everything. And um, this is about two weeks before Lent starts, okay? So he's just started brining stuff and getting it ready. And I come here on the Friday after... Uh, <laughs> After Ash Wednesday, right? And I, and I look up on the Friday, board. This is first Friday, Friday of Lent. And, I look, <laughs> and I'm just here to eat light, right? Because it's a fasting day. You know, I have fasted all day. I'm going to have a light little piece of fish, and then I'm going to go home. And the whole menu is nothing but pieces of the pig. And, I, and so I called over Chef Justin. I said, look, I said, I'm, I'm not trying to be your priest here, okay? I'm being your marketing manager. It's a Friday in Lent. You can't have all the specials be pork. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember you went... That's why they're not selling that well. Yeah, yeah. We t- we we took the pig for a swim, so you know, trying to try to convince it it was a fish. Right, before, right, before right, right, it. right. It's like that old joke, right? You're a bunch of you're a bunch of deer. Now you're a fish. You know. Baptize it. But uh, but it's funny. You must have tell us about you know some of the the funny things that have happened here. I know you've you know recently we've had you know you have a lot of celebrities coming to town and. I mean, you have any kind of fun stories about the restaurant over the years? And, of course, none of these can include any, any priests that may have been involved with yeah. the stories. Um, you know, I don't know. We, gotta, we have so much fun here on a daily basis that, you know, it just kind of all melds together. Um, you know, I could probably pick a story for every night. Um, I don't know. We just you try to have a good time and, mm-hmm. you know. Everyone, and it's a very close-knit group. You know, yeah. I really, I think it's awesome that, you know, I always, every day, part of my routine is when I get here in the morning, I look at my reservation book and kind of just scan over it and see who's coming in and see, you know, if I know anybody. And it's really nice. I thought, thinking about it the other day, it's really nice when, you know, five years into this, you do that and you can recognize like 40 or 50% of the names on the reservation book. You that's know? great. And that's, it seems like how it is most days. And, uh, so, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge part. And that's, you know, that's something that we're super proud of. And you have a lot of staff that's been here for a while too, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, um, we were, we were just joking the other night when, when Emily started working and I hadn't seen her and she went off to go to nursing school and now she's off for the summer and working here. And, you know, there are very few places where you'd come in and hadn't seen a waiter, waitress in a while and you give her a hug, you know, just so happy to have her back. Cause she was here for what, about three or four years beforehand. Yeah. She's been yeah. here for a long time. And so now I think that she comes back. I mean, of course it's a job and she gets the money, but I think she came back cause it's kind of like family, you know, she, yeah, definitely. And that's the atmosphere we definitely try to create. And that's the exact, the outcome of that is exactly, you know, all the accolades that we get and all the, you know, awards and stuff that we get nominated for. It's uh, because of that. It's because yep. of our employees and because we have an environment that, uh, you know, people want to leave and come back to you and know? you and, and you and Mia really take the lead on that I mean it's your love for each other and your daughter you know and, and, and seeing her walking around with her baby my mom loves coming here because she she first thing she does is she wants to find out if me and Ruby are here so she can see Ruby because she's a she's a god a grandmother to every child she sees you know <laughs> but you know when when for when Mia was pregnant then when she had Ruby and Mia was working and she was bringing the baby around and then of course Joel and Gretchen and their daughter Haley they, they come here a lot and so it, it is a uh, you know, it, it has all the elements of the most sophisticated cuisine in New Orleans, yet it has the neighborhood culture of, uh, of people who, who walk here and, and, and come back and back and back and, and bring their kids. You, you don't know, you, before we are here at lunch, many restaurants in New Orleans, you have kids in the restaurant at lunch at 3 o'clock, right? That, they're, right, that right. the kids are still yeah. here, and they were still here, you know, for uh, after the lunch crowd. So uh, it... It's it's comfortable. It's it's sophisticated, yet it's it's family, which is probably a, a little bit of yeah. all of our lives, except for the, maybe the sophisticated part. You right. know? But <laughs> <laughs> well, Chef uh, uh, Chef Justin, I, I see on the menu you also have uh, pan fried rabbit. You know, mm. I've only made rabbit a few times, and I've I've done a terrible job both times. And I, <laughs> yep. you know, I, yep. as a matter of fact, I braised I rabbit, made rabbit, braised jerky rabbit one about time. Uh, about a year ago. <laughs> And I, I used, I remember I used Turbo Dog. I, I try to keep mm-hmm. it local. I used Turbo Dog. I was braising it. And I, I mean, I cooked it down. Yeah, Turbo Dog beer, a beat of beer. I cooked it down, and we set the table. Everybody's there. So it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday meal. And it was a friend of mine who had given us these rabbits. I had like two or three of them. 
And um, we sat down. My, my youngest was 11 now. She was probably 10 at the time. Took one bite of it, and she says, Dad, this is not my favorite chicken. <laughs> you know? It was tough as nails. Yes. It's, I, yeah. It was like no matter what I did, it was, you couldn't do anything with it. Do you have any like tips on, on how to prepare something like rabbit? Because rabbit, is, it's, I would imagine, to be one of those kind of animals that can be hard to, to prepare. I got, a, I got a couple tips for a rabbit. I think the first is make sure you're getting a, a rabbit that is of the eating quality. I mean, uh, <laughs> that was rule that number, one. And, number and, one. And and yeah, yeah. and and specific to the dish. If you want to if you want to roast a rabbit, you need a different kind of rabbit than if you're planning on you know braising it for three or four hours, making a gravy or something like that. Um, you know, obviously a lot of a lot of game enthusiasts and hunters and and things they'll have a larger rabbit that uh, requires longer cooking and it's better in something like a gravy or a fricasse or a gumbo or something like that. Yeah. Um, or in a crock pot for about 12, yeah, 12 hours yeah. or something like that. And, um, wow. yeah. get it soft enough so you can pick all the shot out of it or whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> but, uh, we, we use a, we use a farm raised rabbit out of Mississippi and, um, they're fairly small and you can tell the, you can tell it's the quality that we want by the color of the flesh. The color of the right. flesh is very, very light. Um, has very bright red, like, um, you know, little lines through it. It's very, you what can, do they feed it looks tender. Um, they feed them a mixture. I mean, they're feeding them, they're feeding them compressed vegetable, like compressed vegetable pellets, rabbit food. Rabbit food. Um, you know, they're not letting them get old. Right. Uh, they're but, not letting them run around a whole lot either, probably. Uh, I'd imagine they are. I haven't been up there. My cousin raises rabbits in Florida, okay. and I got a story about that in one second, but he he lets his run around like like as much as they, much want. they want and he'll, he'll throw feet out there and they'll run around but it's i think it's not letting him get large enough but mm-hmm. anyway then you select your pieces like the tenderloin which runs along the like the back strap i call it the tenderloin but it's actually the loin that runs along the back strap that's not going to require a lot of cooking you could take that off and do whatever you want with it the back legs you can roast them if you want to cook them really fast they're going to be a little bit too chewy right um we, in our preparation, we pan them and we pound them out and we bread them. We bread them with a uh, pulverized breadcrumb. So we make a breadcrumb and then we just spin it in a food processor until it's almost a dust, mm-hmm. and it gets it just real thin, nice little layer uh, on the on the fillet, and um, that's nice. We're trying to kind of mimic a German. I think we talked about it earlier. Schnitzel, a Ger- right? Yeah, schnitzel yeah. kind of dish, and then um, you know, for a larger rabbit. Or for a, for a leg that's that's not going to be pounded. Or like a wild rabbit. A wild rabbit will work. Uh, I did this thing with my cousin's rabbits the other day. I was visiting with him, and he brought some rabbits. And uh, he raises quail and rabbits, so he brought a bunch of pickled quail eggs, and he brought a bunch of rabbit, and we kind of had this little feast. Uh, but his rabbits, I just browned them, like in a cast iron skillet, really hard. Like, just let them brown, not burn, brown, just brown really well. And uh, on all sides, took them out, and then one onion it was like it was two rabbits browned one onion in the pan caramelized that onion low and slow until it was almost black that onion was just caramelized completely laid the rabbit pieces back on top and then in a blender this is crazy this was mind you this isn't a recipe that i always do this is out of necessity we didn't have a lot of ingredients this was all stuff from his house and uh in a blender i put one tomato and about a cup of water and blended it up and poured that over the cast iron, over the rabbit and the onions, and then put some hot chili peppers in there Ooh. and sea salt. Mm. And, uh, and that's it. Put it in the, yep, and then put it in the oven for about three and a half hours, three covered. And, a half hours. Wow. and when we took it out, it was like... Falling apart. Oh, it was like this amazing sauce pecan that was <laughs> falling <laughs> apart, and we made some white rice. It was, now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> hand me that other plate over there. Hand, yeah, that, yeah. hand that pastrami <laughs> over to me. I'm serious. I'm <laughs> Thank you. Well, it, it has been a delight, Chef Johnson. It's totally a delight to, to be here and to get a taste of the restaurant and to meet with you and speak with you and uh, thank you so much for the time thanks for having me this has been fun and before we go Monsignor can you uh, give us a blessing please sure the Lord be with you may almighty God bless you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. amen go in peace amen